This week on Kettle of Fish, actor and comedian Asval Lee stops by to talk about having your friends over for dinner. Welcome to our after show. We call Kettle of Fish the No Politics Laughter Show. It's time for Kettle of Fish. No debates, hate, or arguments allowed on Kettle of Fish. It's like a Willy Wonka psychedelic acid trip. So hooray for Kettle of Fish. Alrighty, welcome to Kettle of Fish, the show after the show, the talk after the talk, the 20-minute comedy money shot after the two hours of political foreplay. We've got D and Fern with us. D's back there somewhere. Are you guys ready to get fishy? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I'm excited. Right on. Well, I know you're excited because you being the studio's little researcher you are, I gave you your homework assignment. I couldn't believe you haven't been checking out um, Wrecked. So I said, hop on On Demand, go on TBS, and binge watch some Wrecked. What did you think about your homework assignment? Um, best homework ever. Like, I am so studious, <laughs> but I very rarely have time for TV. And I watched one episode one day, and then I totally binged watched the other nine on Friday. And I was glued. I couldn't take my eyes off. It was fantastic. Right on. All right, let's get Asif Ali in here. Asif, what's up? What's up, guys? How are you? Talking about terraforming Mars and other important things like that. I'm glad you have time to talk to a guy uh, that's just on a TV show. Hey, we would go crazy if we couldn't do this after the political show. We'd be walking around with our guts in <laughs> like a knot if we couldn't have this kind of I like decompression. That. I like how all of them, all of the discussions go back to, well, you know, the rich people are going to get all of it and we're poor and we're going to die. That's yep. what it all comes back. That's the <laughs> I mean, natural space, but it's going to be rich people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we can all agree on that. Oh, by the way, are we pronouncing your name correct? It's Asif, yeah. Because we've been walking around all week going, totally Asif, just so we would not forget yeah, you how guys to got say it. your name. So yeah, I'm glad we nailed that. I'll be saying your name you a lot it. today because I'm so proud of myself. Just go around and yelling it. We have been all day. Me and Dee have been like, totally awesome. All week we've been doing yeah, that. So we wouldn't forget how to pronounce it. Well, because I, okay. I, yeah. well, I always think that names are pronounced fancier, I guess, than how they're spelled. Like, I've done it a million times with pretty much every guest we have. And so I'd been pronouncing it Asif because I'm like, you know, that's just... Yeah, you were taking like, the Lion King how, I, I was. How dare you? I know. And then I heard you say it. And I was like, <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> All right, let's dig in here. Also, full disclosure, Please. didn't know yes. a whole lot about you until Wrecked. Saw you on Wrecked. I always pick my favorite character on a show, and I reach out to him first. I went and checked out your comedy. Uh-huh. I went on your YouTube. I went down the awesome rabbit hole and checked out all things yeah. awesome related. And here is the first thing that came to mind. I jumped on Netflix. Yes. I said, this guy definitely has to have a Netflix special. I hit the little search bar, yes. could not find you. How in the hell do you not have a special on Netflix? This doesn't fit in my brain. Well, well, the thing is, is we're, we're, we're working on those things, you know, so hopefully when the second season or third season of the show comes out, then I, you know, I'll, I'll have something there for you. You know, part of Hollywood is the element of surprise. We don't have that anymore. Because of the internet, you know, there's not any mystery left. So I do a lot of stuff on the on the internet, put stuff out there, and we we want to let the show build and, and you know turn me into a sex symbol, then drop the comedy special on them, 
and really, really shake things up. Well, I know somebody who already thinks you're a sex symbol. Time for Fern to <laughs> chime in here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hello, Asif. No, hey, I was actually love, checking out here. I'm good. I I was checking out a lot of your YouTube stuff, like the, you know, the Best Uh Buy and the, oh, the Barnes & Noble was absolutely my favorite eye stealing, just totally blew me away. I was rolling. But I noticed a lot of it, like the underlying theme with a lot of this is you're looking for women. Like, I'm looking at this and I'm going, you know, I'm happily in a relationship, but you're you're very good looking, you're talented, you're intelligent, you're funny. How is have you noticed that this girl search has has picked up a little like you're getting a little more hits on this or is it still like uh, who are you and why are you talking? Yeah, Rex had it done something for your romantic cred, right? Yeah, please. Yeah, yeah oh yeah, it it it's helped a little bit, but the show is not uh, on I feel like when the show is on Netflix or something then it will help. But I think the issue with all of this stuff is that, uh, you know, comedian, being a comedian is not the sexiest thing, but also I live in L.A., right? It's like you're, you're at, it's, you're, they're cultivating, Abercrombie and Fitch dudes are everywhere, okay? They're just at, uh, they're Target. This is the beautiful, most beautiful people in the world, just constantly just walking around. So it's, uh, it's a little bit tougher to wade in these waters, you know? Uh, but, you know, I'm also just looking for the right person, you know, not just any person. And that's kind of what the search is. You know, you're always looking for you the right person. You need a reality show. people around. <laughs> I, I see a reality show looking for awesome you love in your it. future. I can see that coming down the pipe. So, hey, so I'm checking out the YouTube videos. I can't believe I've never even asked a comedian this before because I've seen this a lot. You're at colleges and you're mixing it up with the audience. You know, where are you from? Where do you, mm-hmm. where, you know, where do you work? Blah, blah, blah. And yeah. I started thinking, is this a lot more complicated than just coming out and doing your set and then walking off stage because so much could go wrong or so much zany shit could be said? Or is it easier because there's yeah, always colleges. something new and fresh to jump on? Um, doing colleges is, uh, you know, just doing shows in general are tough because you have to, if you don't build a comfort and rapport with the audience up top, uh, you know, cause it's not like doing a theater. If you're doing like a theater, you can just come in, do your set and then leave. But if you're doing college, colleges especially, they want you to really talk to them up top and really sort of build that I'm here. I see you. This is not. TV, I'm talking directly to you. And then they really get into it. And then you can do, you, you can do your set. Clubs a little bit less, so you don't have to do it as much. Uh, but yeah, it is, it's not, yeah, it's not as simple as just coming out and doing your jokes. I mean, I wish it was, but you have to kind of play with them and, and sort of build that comfort. Uh, you got to improvise with them a little bit, play around. Do you and like then, that and engagement? Then do you like I it? I do, yeah, I do like that engagement. I do, nice. yeah. It's fun. It keeps you present, you know, because sometimes you can just get stuck in just doing, uh, you know, you know, just doing your set over and over again. And this allows you to play around and, you know, maybe come up with new things that you wouldn't have or talk about new things that you previously wouldn't have because something happened in the audience. The only time it's stuck is because is if, you know, you have a situation where someone's just being an asshole or something. But usually that's not the case. But every once in a while that does happen. And, you know, even that, has its own uh, has its own benefits, and you know you get to play around with that. But for the most part, yeah, doing comedy is 
is great. It's the reason uh, I, you know, I paid my bills for a long time while I was acting was doing stand-up. And, uh, yeah, I still do it. I still love it. And I'm going to get you that Netflix special, man. It's going to happen right after I the reality so. show. Eh, nice, nice. <laughs> so, look, I'm looking at the YouTube, and the favorite thing that you had on there, the thing that I liked the best was your Cosby impersonation. I thought it was great. And I actually wrote, reached out to you, and I was like, hey, man, can we talk about this? Because I know you comedians have got to get burned out on people asking you about Cosby, but you're like, hey, I'm an open book, mm -hmm. so I'm going to ask the Let's question I'm sure you've been asked before. Are you one of these guys yeah. that felt betrayed by what Cosby did because you grew up watching Cosby? Or were you far away and disconnected from that and you could give a shit less what happened to Cosby? Uh, I I mean, I like, I feel like a lot of comedians, uh, uh, we looked at him and were like, wow, this guy is an incredible writer. He can create characters and, and he's uh, an unbelievable storyteller. The, the, I mean, a lot of comedians were always just like, you know, he was always just like super on like being clean and stuff and that was always just like, uh, that's dumb. But I mean, when he came out, when, when all these allegations of things came out, yeah, it did. It did feel like, oh my God, like it's the worst possible, you know, aside from him literally murdering people. Right. It's, it's such a weird betrayal. And I think it's, a, it's less of a, it's, it's more just like false advertising betrayal in the sense of you painted yourself as this, holier than thou, I'm this guy, and, you know, I extol all the positive virtues of uh, of society and, and, and this and that, and, and this is what you were doing the whole time, and I actually, I, I was really shocked, but then there's that weird thing where whenever these types of things happen, you sort of, you know, you hear that phrase in your head again of just like, you know, uh, you know, don't, you know, don't ever trust your heroes or anything like that, you know? That's sad. Yeah, but I mean, this is like, this is way beyond that. Cause when that phrase, that phrase is used, don't, don't meet your heroes or don't trust your heroes, it's usually cause like, oh, that person's probably an asshole. But this is like way beyond yeah, that. Yeah, it's next level with Cosby. It's next level crazy and terrible. And, and I think he, I, I think it, it is more, sad for the people that, you know, the, I really liked Bill Cosby as a comedian, but I more erred on the side of like, you, uh, you know, like the Chris Rocks and, and, and uh, uh, you know, the, the, the Chappelle's and the, and the Richard Pryor's and people like that who are a little bit edgier and talked about everything. And uh, there's a more openness in that. But people could still appreciate the storytelling capabilities and all that that Cosby brought. And the fact that he was the biggest TV star of color uh, uh, at the time. and Which, of I course, leads all the conspiracy yeah. theories that, like, NBC yeah. set him up because he was going to buy out NBC and all that crazy shit, right? Yeah, but, like, I don't know. Like, that many women, like, that he definitely did some shit. And uh, even if it was one person, that's enough to, to you know... That's enough for me. One person, get out of here. So for it to be that many people, it's crazy. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it was, I think it's the craziest thing that's happened um, in comedy. And I think the one, I guess, good thing that came out of it is that now there's the internet 
and you can't just hide stuff anymore. That's true. The reason why it didn't, it wasn't around for so long is probably because he had great PR people who shut it down. Don't write about it. Don't, you know, don't print this. Don't do that. But with the internet, you can't control the internet. So when that came out again and people had Google this time, they just hopped on and Google and they're like, holy shit. And they just blasted it everywhere as they should have. So I think this is a case of, you know, that mob mentality when it actually was appropriate. And I feel like. All right. Well, look, I want to talk about Wrecked. I'm going to ask you this last thing, though, because this is another thing I noticed. I pulled up your IMDb. I'm checking you out. Mm-hmm. You so many shows. Um, Drew Carey, Arrested Development, one of my favorites. Modern Family. Yeah. Do you consider yourself mm-hmm. a comedian that just goes over here and does these acting gigs once in a while? Or are you an actor just making ends meet doing stand-up when you have to? Uh, I am a comedian first and foremost. That's what I've been doing, you know, since I've been, like, in high school. And, uh, yeah, I consider uh, acting uh, a, a, my second thing that I do. But stand-up has always been first and foremost. And, you know, the dream has always been, uh, you know, I wouldn't have even really moved out to L.A. if, you know, I didn't get, if people didn't, weren't like, hey, come out here. We want you to audition for things. You have to come out to L.A. Otherwise, I would have just stayed in Chicago and just, done stand-up and been a great city comedian. by the way I, chicago no chicago's the best i um highly recommend for people trying to get into comedy go to chicago yeah, we go every year um just to visit and if it wasn't so damn cold we would be living out there i love chicago the people the vibe love it all right let's dig into wrecked uh, Fern yeah. kind of took my talking point because i was going to say the exact mm-hmm. same thing we are busy little bees it takes us like, we have so much going on for me to actually sit down and watch a whole series. And I did watch that show, probably jumped on board about third episode and watched every week. And then went back and binged watched mm-hmm. it again before I did this interview. Wrecked is ingenious. That first episode where the hero, the strong, handsome hero dies. I guess I can say that. It's not a spoiler at this point. Yeah. The show is so ingenious. It's so magical. But the one running theme is how much of a show, how much of this show do you feel is a nod to Lost? Because I saw a lot of little pokes that look lost in there. I, I think the idea that the Shipley brothers had when they created the show, uh, in, in, initially, to be frank, what they were trying to do was just get staff as writers on a show. So when you're trying to get staff as writers on a show, you just write the craziest pilot. You just go all out with the mindset of this will never get made, but this will showcase to people working on other shows who are uh, staffing writers that, oh, these guys are creative and imaginative and they're really funny. But they sent it to TBS, and TBS at the time was going through, uh, it's going through this amazing rebranding, and and, uh, they're trying to, they cleared the slate, and they're doing all this really fun, fresh, interesting content, like Samantha B's show, our show, The Detour. Like, they're all really fun, interesting, modern comedies. And so they got the script because they're, they're like, oh, I guess these kids want to get staffed. One of the executives at TBS read it and was so blown away by it, he was like, he put his job on the line by pushing it through and saying, wow. we need to make this show. 
And it's been picked up for a second season. Right. And congrats on that. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Sometimes you got to take risks like that. And so we went out and we shot in Puerto Rico for two and a half months. And so that's why it looks so beautiful and we can play around so much because when we're in the jungle, we're really, it's not CGI, it's a real jungle. We're on a real beach. So the mosquitoes that are by the are real (laughs) the entire season. It's really fun. It's really exciting. And as far as the nods to, to Lost go, I see it more as, in my eyes, working on it as, you know, uh, Gilligan's Island meets Lost. So That's it's less put it. Lost, more Gilligan's Island, meaning it's a group of idiots who crash and only the ones with no nothing to contribute survive. In Lost, you know, the doctor stays alive for a long time. You know, all these characters who are of use stay alive for a long time. In our show, because it's a comedy, like you're saying, the guy who dies is literally the guy who can save us. He has a military background. He can do, you know, he knows CPR. He knows how to, he knows how to do tourniquets. He knows how to save people. And he dies immediately because we, yeah, we didn't, they didn't want any of that. That sort of helpless, like, what are we doing here? It needed to be uh, the focal point. And working on the show and sort of building on that was so much fun because everyone on the show, we all sort of also have, like, Im- improv backgrounds. And the writers really, really stood on that. The writing was really, really tight on the show, but what really made it even tighter was the fact that we were all there living in the same hotel. It was kind of like acting camp. So we're all around each other, and the chemistry sort of built a lot faster than it normally would working on a show in L.A. But if you work on a series in L.A., you work that day, and then you go home. You know, you're not bunking with the same people that you work with and having dinner with them every night and hanging out with them in the day and going on trips with them. So that sort of really set the, the chemistry glue really, it really got real tight real quickly. And I think that's why another reason why the show uh, jumps off the screen real quickly, like from the pilot, because we're all there, we're all in it and we're all fighting for the show to be so good. And ultimately, you know, we've, I, you know, I've been acting in LA for, six years now and I've done a lot of pilots. I've done like eight pilots. A lot of the pilots that you do are, are, you know, they're not, you do them because they're a job. They're not necessarily something that you would watch if you had the choice. And for us to be on a show, for me to be on a show that I actually like, that I read through and was like, I have to be on, I want to be on this. What do I have to do to get on the show? And then for it to go on for a season and get a second season, that adds a lot of juice while you're working on a show that isn't necessarily there when you're just working on a paycheck program. Yeah, I mean, it definitely so, seems like everyone wants to be there. The chemistry is incredible. And to go back to what you said about everybody on the island, the idiots are the ones who are the ones who are actually surviving. How much of you, th- mm-hmm. how much do you think of what's going on in that island could, would really happen in real life? People lying about who they really are, people losing their minds, everybody vying to be the person that's the leader. I mean, it seems to be a lot of reality mixed in with that comedy there. Yeah, I think, I think as far as the show goes, I, I honestly think that that's how most people would act. I mean, a lot yeah, of that's us, what my I got character from especially, it. yeah, a lot of us are relying on our phones, right? My character just only relies on his phone, and he's like a douchey sports agent. But his whole life, like most people, is on his phone. So when he gets into the situation, 
he's like all of us in that regard of being like, what is my act? What am I giving to the world? What is what is my uh, what am I offering the world if I don't have my phone? And I feel like my character, you know, in in a way, has that existential moment more so than all the other characters, because my my life is more similar in my attachment to technology um, with most of the people that watch the show. I'm just my whole life is on the phone and on the internet, and that's my only value. So when I get stranded on this island. I have this crazy existential crisis of I, I don't know how to do anything. I don't know how to cook. I don't know how to, uh, you know, start a fire. I don't know how to fix anything or build anything. I'm just my phone. So what am I going to do here? And I'm really the guy who would die the first. I'd be the first person to die. So to see me try to scramble and try to survive, is, I think, very similar to how most people would be in that kind of a situation. Um, and, yeah, I think it's pretty close. Like, if you were, the average person was on an island, they would, uh, they would be there and immediately try to save people who can be saved. And then the likelihood of you getting saved, if you don't have any way of contacting the outside world, is incredibly slim. So then you have two choices, either try to, you know, create some sort of boat or something, which, how are you going to do that? To float off into the, the the ocean, which is literally the most terrifying thing in the world. Yeah. Or, or, or you can stay on this island if there's enough people on it. Because this is the difference between our show and, like, a castaway situation in that we have a group of people. So we just stay here and try to survive. You try to make it work and hope that someone saves you. And but the, the interesting thing about our show, and that sounds super dark and dramatic, but the fun part about our show is, okay, but what if they were all idiots and couldn't get beyond their own bullshit that they deal with in their life? And it is played and beautifully. Think, yeah. And I think that's the sort of nuance and the, the sort of petty things that we deal with makes the show really, really fun. And, and that's why we like working on it. All right, we only got a couple minutes left. Let me let Fern get in here because she could not stop raving yep. about the show. She called me after she watched the first episode, and um, I know that she is now a big super fan. Fern, what do you think of everything oh, we've been I talking about? You. Oh, I think it's fantastic. But you know, it's it's interesting. You know, like Nick said, when you go down the rabbit hole to to look at mm-hmm. these situations that you put yourself in. You know, going into the iPhone, the Apple Store and talking about three-way yeah. Skype and, you know, going into Barnes uh-huh. & Noble and just taking, snatching books out of people's hands. I mean, that takes a lot of balls. <laughs> it really does. You have to be a pretty yeah. confident person. And I suppose as a stand-up yeah. comedian, that's kind of a prerequisite. But to to see this personality, this wonderful, outgoing, you know, ballsy personality, and then to see your character on the show where you really have to almost be the opposite. you got to kind of really take that back a lot and be, um, you know, completely, you know, self-sufficient on your phone and what do I do and I'm going to die and I'm going to eat somebody. And, you know, like how do you mentally prepare for that and bring yourself out of that outgoing personality and kind of dive into that. I think the character, the, the way they wrote the characters are so, uh, everyone is pretty well defined. And for me, getting into that, into, into the character of Pac, in, in his mindset, it wasn't so hard because I see that all the time, especially being in LA. I see agents and people like that every day. And 
you're just around it all the time. And, and a lot of it is, you know, just sort of putting yourself in that situation of thinking about like, okay, if I didn't have my phone and I was this obsessed with it, which I kind of am already obsessed, but to be to the 10th degree of obsessed with it and to be on an island and to be have nobody and no family and, and nothing, you're just there. It's really dark and, and the, you almost can play it there. You're almost trying to play it as real as possible because the jokes are there and you don't have to really push the jokes because the setting is so dark and so real that the jokes don't need to be hammer down you can just say them and it's so hilarious because you're in this real situation so for me to get into it would be for me it would be just to put myself in that situation and again that goes back to shooting on an actual island in an actual jungle on an actual beach it's much easier to get into the character when you're actually sweating wearing a full suit and you're there you know yeah. so but you've got the farthest stretch on there, though, right? I mean, you've got to actually turn into a cannibal, and that's the most ridiculous role on that show. Yeah. I mean, how hard is it to yeah. approach that and make that funny and palatable to people who might be right. watching who may not have that kind of sense of humor? So what the thing is, is keeping our show, because the setting is kind of grim, keeping the jokes kind of silly. So that sort of dichotomy of grim meets silly like hyper silly right leads you to a zone that makes it makes it palatable so for me to ponder whether to eat another man but the fun part of being like oh these guys aren't even cool like i'm not even gonna eat cool people these are just like losers and the fact that these guys are like i'm hallucinating them so I'm having an argument with them and they're convincing me to eat them. It's because the other flip side would have been me coming in, seeing them and being like, Oh, I'm just going to have to eat these dudes to survive versus having this really hilarious, which by the way, those guys are amazing. Uh, having that sort of back and forth with your own hallucination of the thing that you're deciding is me arguing with my conscience. In a, in a really fun way, I think that sort of approach to it, which we all sort of worked on on set of making things fun and, and improvising and keeping it silly, that way when you take a real thing like people being stranded and having to eat people, which has happened before, yeah, making that a silly thing that you can watch the comedy and laugh along with, I think it is tricky. But the tone that, you know, they have set and we as a group have kind of established on the show is the perfect tone for dealing with these kinds of things. And, I mean, these are things, honestly, you know, getting on a show, a lot of it is luck. I mean, you, there's plenty of talented people who don't get on shows that last long. And I hope this show lasts long. But it's also oh, yeah, the there's definitely a working with people. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of working with people who are serious about working on the show. The Shipley Brothers, while we were out partying every night in Puerto Rico, they, being just clowns, they would go back and they would write every night. They only We only hung out with them twice the entire time they were out there, and they, went, they had to go back at like 10.30, 11 p.m. 
that's the latest they spit out. And we were just raging like monsters. But they they were really hell bent on making this show be the show that they wanted to make and it really shows the amount of dedication and work they put in. And we all as a cast really respected that. Which is why when we got on set, we weren't playing around. Like, we did the best possible job we could do. And there were no problems, really, on set. Because the crew, and, and again, I mean, I didn't even mention this, but the, the, we shot in Puerto Rico because it's a beautiful location, but also because there's a great tax credit there. And the crew, I mean, they don't get enough credit, these guys. The, 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 the crew and everybody working on the show, because for the tax credit to work, all of the people you hire outside of cast and writers have to be local hires and aside from like maybe guest stars. And so everyone from the audio guy, the DP, the, uh, the catering, the grip, the extras, the drive, everybody was local in, in Puerto Rico. And they were all incredibly professional. And, you know, you think when you go to places like that, Oh, you know, what's it going to be like? You know, we're going to the island where they worked on. It works to everything. Our show is like cake to them. They've worked on these people, that, the, the DPs and the camera. They've worked on Pirates of the Caribbean and Fast and the Furious and all these huge things. So for our show, they're like, yeah, we can handle a comedy. It's not a problem. We got it. And That's awesome, the real fun though. part was. Now I'm yeah, sorry, go ahead. It was really exciting. The, and then the, the best part about it was. Puerto Rico is a small island. It's not, there's not a lot of people that live there. It's like a couple million people. And it feels like a college campus in a way. Because everywhere you go, someone, there's a high likelihood that someone knows someone that knows. They all have friends in common. It's really interesting and really fun. And so every night, or like when we would go out, usually during the weekend, we'd always run into somebody. Or the crew would be like, because you, you run out of tourist spots pretty quickly in two and a half months. Like we ran out of all the tourist spots pretty quickly. So we'd always ask these guys like, hey, we're going to go out. Where should we go? And they, they don't have to do this. They would be like, we'll take you out. They took us out partying so many times and took us to so many crazy, interesting uh, I can't even imagine what you're experiencing. Yeah, we went to other islands. We went to concerts. I went to like crazy art shows, like underground, like uh, poetry, like slam poetry. It was amazing. Uh, And to to go all that and then to go and have them out of the goodness of their, they don't have to do that shit to take us around, you know, us doofuses and show us around and show us a good time. That to me was really, it really, you know, had a huge impact on us being comfortable and just having a great time because a lot of us, we didn't, a lot of us didn't get to go back home because it was a straight shot. So we had to just be in Puerto Rico. So a lot of, you know, I don't have kids or anything like that, but a lot of the cast does. Like they have husbands and wives and kids and dogs and like all that. And for them to be away from that is tough. And so for the crew and everybody to make it feel so, uh, at home and to have such like a family close knit, they would do anything for us. And that collaborative so effort shines through. And I mean, there's two shows that Absolutely. I started following. It's Wrecked and Superstore. And we had Nico on a few months ago from yeah. Superstore. I and, know Colton and, Dunn. I know Colton Dunn. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's the exact same. The similarities of what you guys are saying is the exact same. It's the collaborative effort. It's the um, mutual respect. This works because of chemistry of the cast and the crew. And mm-hmm. I'm seeing that in both of these shows that I love, these new shows that are out. Yeah, I'm really just, I'm just really proud of this show. And I think, I think once it gets on Netflix and all that, each year that goes by, it's going to, it's going to really, really um, catch on more than it already has. I mean, it's the number one new comedy on cable. And so that's not happening your first season. Like, that's amazing for your first season for it to hit that hard. And it's only going to get bigger and, and, and better. And I'm just, I'm glad that people like it as much as, as we do. Because a lot of times, you know, you work on things and they get appreciated maybe way too late. Like going back to your Arrested Development thing, that was a dream come true to work on that show. But that was a, a show where it got appreciated way too late. Yeah, I agree with and, that. And for our show to, to sort of click with an audience pretty quickly while still maintaining um, mm-hmm. that real sense of comedy and the, the, um, the goal of what we were trying to do is huge. And I'm just really proud to be a part of it. And I can't, I honestly can't wait to, to go back. We go back to shoot the second season in the end of January. Um, I'm going to India next month to go do, uh, some stand-up shows and, and hang out with my cousins. So that's going to be exciting. Uh, Man. but yeah, I'm just really, I'm really pumped. Yeah. All righty. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. I see nothing but big, beautiful things in your future. Once again, love wrecked, love wrecked, love wrecked. Um, let me let the ladies have the last word here. D Fern. Yeah. Fern. Oh, I, you know, I'll be watching season two. Um, oh. I love your comedy. I love your YouTube videos and definitely be checking out season two. So yeah, thanks for coming on. It was great to talk to you. Yeah. And sure. where can everybody thank find you? Thank you so much you? for reaching out, guys. Um, where can we find, find you on the interwebs? Um, at Ali Comedy, at A-L-I Comedy, one word. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, YouTube. It's the same handle for everything. Um, All And, yeah, so that's it. Thank you guys We've for reaching out. we got to have you I back. Really Second it. season. Absolutely. Um, awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anytime. Thank you, sir. I'll talk to you guys soon. All righty, awesome. Bye. Thanks a lot. Bye. All right, there we have it. Great show. Great guy. I loved everything about this. Who do we got coming up next week on Kettle of Fish, D? Well, next week we have another funny guy. We've got Krish Mohan, who, um, in case anybody somehow hasn't been listening, um, Krish and Lee Camp are going to be performing in Asheville on September the 3rd. They're actually in Chicago this week. Really? Um, yeah. There are actually some tickets left for the late show, which is just 10 o'clock, so it's not that late. Um so definitely, if you are in the Asheville area or will be in the Asheville area, I highly recommend going to see the show because we're going to be there. Yeah, and come have a beer that, with us, yeah, any of fun. our um, Asheville fans. Absolutely. And then the week after that, from this season of America's Got Talent, we are going to have the sultry bodybuilder slash singer, Mr. R.L. Bell. And that'll be really, really cool. Looking forward to all those things. Alrighty, guys. Thank you so much for listening to Kettle of Fish. We will catch you next week. I got to go get some grub. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.